Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 60 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by GD Blings and Things. Their store will be dropping very soon, and we'll let you know all about all the information. Today, we have special guest Stephen Bassett, who is the executive director for the Paradigm Research Group, political activist, and disclosure advocate. We're going to have a fun conversation today, so strap on them seatbelts. We're going for a ride. All right, welcome to episode 60 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. Today, sponsored by GD Blings and Things. Their brand new store will be coming very shortly, and we'll give you the information so you can go over and check it out. And today, we have special guest Stephen Bassett, who is the executive director for the Paradigm Research Group. Stephen, welcome to the show. Uh, my pleasure to be with you, Jesse. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to this, and I think a lot of the people that listen to the show are looking forward to hearing from you today. Um, do you want to give everybody a quick background um, of, your, of your bio and, and uh, what about you? Uh, very quickly, my website is paradigmresearchgroup.org. Uh, I am a political activist, disclosure advocate, uh, and I've been exclusively um engaging this issue since 1996 as an activist uh, with a singular goal, uh, and that is to help bring the United States government to a place where it can finally formally confirm an extraterrestrial presence, non-human intelligence, engaging this planet, um, which includes our government knowing about that, includes our government having crashed vehicles and so much more. That, that confirmation, I labeled capital D disclosure back in the very early aughts, maybe around 1999, um, you know, because that is the goal, the confirmation event. It's not about proving it. It's already been proven. Uh, and that confirmation can really only come from a head of state in order to have the appropriate um, response and the appropriate things to happen. It doesn't necessarily have to be our president first, but may very well be and may very well be soon. And so that's that's my 26 years of work, and you can read about it on my website. Well, this is, I guess, this is a kind of a good follow-up question to what you just said. Um, I wanted to ask you about Andres Carson's push for the investigation on UAP and the House Intelligence Committee hearing. Um, what did you think about that? Absolutely. The There have been major milestones in the last five years. More has happened in the last five years moving us towards this formal confirmation by the president than in the previous 70, uh, which is not surprising. It was for, for 70 years, many colleagues of mine who are now dead, countless civilian witnesses, not, um, researchers and, and activists and, and, you know, and journalists, uh, including witnesses and so forth, who were working on their own dime, uh, doing what they could, kept uh, moving, the, uh, uh, pushing the, the boulder up the hill. Uh, it was not easy uh, because the United States government <laughs> made the hill as steep as possible by denying there's any validity to this, by undermining work, by ridiculing, demeaning propaganda, of course, secrecy and everything else. Uh, this is a policy, a, a legal policy that government uh, put together between 47 and 53 and has executed vigorously since, which I came to call the truth embargo, uh, because that's what it is. It's an embargo. It's a legal policy that embargoes the truth. It is not a cover-up. Um, and it was a hard slog. But right around uh, the end of uh, 2017, five years ago, that boulder reached the top of the hill, crested the hill. And, and it got pushed over. And over the last five years, it has been rolling downhill and picking up speed. All right. A lot of people are not getting that. They're just so focused on that boulder they've been watching all these years that they not they haven't noticed that it actually crested the hill. And now it's rolling downhill, right, <laughs> very rapidly. So the list of things that have happened the last five years, we could spend a couple of hours on. But one of the most important things that happened, based upon a, a, many, a series of of uh, events took place is that for the first time the United States Congress formally engaged the issue in an appropriate way. 
In the past, there had been virtually nothing. Uh, there was a one-day hearing in 1966. Uh, there was a, 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 about four witnesses, four people were there. About one-day hearing in 1968. 68 hearing, I believe, was, was pretty much uh, a, a encouraged by then Congressman Gerald Ford. So uh, you could say that the Congress was trying to do something at that point. Of course, it was all part of a process in which the government was going to shut everything down and, and convince uh, convince the people that, wait, we did what we could, there's nothing there, move along, there's nothing to see. Uh, and then uh, years later, uh, a couple of members of Congress were known to sort of have an interest. In uh, 1994 uh, period, you had a, a member of Congress, Stephen Schiff, who went after Roswell Records uh, and was very vocal about it. And so that was an engagement. This is, a and, and, and that's about it. And that's literally it going all the way back to 1947 until three years ago. And what happened is that uh, the first person to make a move was the ranking member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Marco Rubio. Right. This followed some briefings that uh, they were getting and members of Congress have been getting uh, for a couple of years, which were primarily organized by uh, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Chris Mellon. He was going up on the Hill and privately briefing members of Congress of key committees like the Intel Committee's Armed Services. I think in many instances, he brought some witnesses with, with him, pilots, so forth, to speak about uh, experiences they had. Some of these were known to us because these pilots had, had been uh, had gone public and were, were part of some uh, articles published in the New York Times and so forth. But these are private briefings preparing members of Congress to make a decision about how to proceed. These went on for about two years. And finally, uh, Marco Rubio was the one to make the first move. And he put some specific language into the Defense Appropriations Bill, the Intelligence aspect of the defense appropriations bill asking for a report from Congress. I'm sorry, from the from the uh, Department of Defense. This got a great deal of attention. There were some specifics in there. And the Congress, the, the uh, Department of Defense proceeded to prepare that report. The report was delivered in um, June of 2021. Um, and created quite a stir. In addition to a very short public report, there was also a briefing of both the House and Senate Intel's and Armed Services Committees. As a result, in the next appropriations bill, uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand stepped in and put language into that Senate bill. At the same time, Congressman Ruben Diegos in the House put some language in the House version of that bill. And so that was passed, calling on the Congress to do a number of other things, which set in motion, again, we could go on in great detail, but I'm simply saying there was a back and forth literally going on between key members of Congress, key committees, and legislation being passed, and the DOD responding back and forth in, an, in a totally appropriate way, which is what we'd wanted all along, going all the way back to the 50s. Right. But in the same time, other members of Congress were speaking out. Uh, and and uh, Andre Carson obviously made a mark because he decided that he would hold the first hearing uh, as part of this process, which was held on May 17th of this year. He was uh, an important subcommittee chair, the subcommittee of the House Intelligence Committee for nonproliferation. Uh, I mean, sorry, counterproliferation, counterterrorism, counterintelligence. Counter, um, Very important committee. And they had a brief hearing. Some members, uh, two, two people from the Pentagon came in and spoke. This was a milestone event. The first hearing since 1958. Right. 68. Yep. What's that? 54 years. So uh, at that hearing, Congressman Mark Gallagher, Mike Gallagher, uh, posed some very strong questions. Uh, prior to that hearing, Tim Burchett, Kentucky, Congressman Burchett, 
went on a news program and said flat out there's extraterrestrials here. After the hearing on the 17th, he, he, he also made some very strong statements to the media. Uh, prior to all of this, Congress, uh, Senator Gene Shaheen had made statements. Former Congressman Mark Walker had made statements. Mark Warner recently made a statement about this, meaning we're addressing it. Con uh, Congressman Stephen Schiff, the chairman of the House Intel Committee, has made a statement that this is moving forward and to expect a hearing. Uh, I think overall, there's been 10 members of Congress that have now publicly spoken directly to the issue. So this is, we're in a totally different place. Uh, meanwhile, the Department of Defense has been in fact working uh, fairly steadily to build a substantial working group involving multiple offices, uh, multiple tasks, as enumerated in the last three now intelligence bills, but there's one pending that's also got language in it. Uh, it's expected there will be thousands of people employed in this working group and these projects servicing the UAP issue by the end of the year. So for anybody that knows anything about the history of this issue, we, we're, we're, this is a, we're in a whole other universe here. I mean, this is this is exactly what we've been waiting on for some time, and that's what's going on. Um, my projection right now, in spite of all the chaos, war, plague, whatever, uh, we've been through this before. That there will be more hearings this year on the UAP subject, uh, and. There, there could be a number of them, should be a number of them. Certainly, there's going to be a hearing in front of the House Intel Committee, if not the Senate Intel Committee. These are the two big committees. These are the ones that are going to have the biggest impact, and they're going to have the biggest audience, worldwide audience watching, as these hearings will be uh, televised. And these hearings, if, the, if enough witnesses uh, are able to come to the Hill and testify, military witnesses, to the broad range of events and evidence they are, they are privy to. We should have a platform on which the president of the United States can step on, out on, and uh, and confirm the extraterrestrial presence. So I'm holding hope that disclosure of the ET presence by the president could be could happen this year. Okay. Now, do you see like the, I know what, when the DoD was trying to you know um, let them know about the information that they had and what they've been investigating up until now. Um, they were kind of lacking information, and the video they showed was uh, pretty bad. <laughs> um, do you think that they're trying to slow this up, uh, this whole thing down? No, no. What What's happening is that, and this is complicated. I'll I'll try to. I mean, I've given many many interviews now on this, and sometimes I can get really going, going for an hour and a half. But uh, let me. I'm getting better at condensing it down. <laughs> What, what is happening now is not that the Pentagon and the Congress has just recently realized that there's this unexplained phenomena and it, it deserves certain attention and therefore they're gearing up to, to deal with it and the Pentagon is responding to that and, uh, and providing you know reports and even testifying on the Hill and bringing a video and it's all part of finally figuring this out. That is not what is happening. Now, for those people that think that's what is happening, then they are, and, and maybe know something about this issue, they are going, this, what, this isn't enough. What, why are you doing it this way? Why haven't you done this way or that way, said this or that? And I get that. But in fact, what is happening is exactly what I expected. And here is, uh, how to look at this. And if you if people look at it this way, they will be less upset uh, by the process. What is happening now is that a Department of Defense, or really a military intelligence complex of the United States, as well as the United States Congress, meaning a number of members within the Congress who uh, are taking certain actions, 
that have known about the ET presence since the since the since forty seven. In other words, the ET presence was confirmed to the United States government, regardless of what may have happened prior to July nineteen forty seven, and there were some things that might have taken place, though they had been very closely held. So perhaps very, very few people knew about it, and it wasn't certainly in the public domain. But as of Mar uh, July of 1947, by virtue of the fact that the US government got into its possession, at minimum one crashed non-human made vehicle, as well as uh, a number of extraterrestrial non-human bodies, the United States government obviously was completely aware of the ET presence. And over the years, since then, people with a need to know or are connected or were tipped off in one form or another within most aspects of our government have known about this. They're fully aware that this presence exists and they made the decision with almost no exceptions that they would keep their mouth shut about that and they would simply co cooperate or do nothing in service to the government policy of embargo meaning the national security policy is truth embargo on this. And we're not gonna uh, push against that. We're going to keep quiet, do nothing until such time as the president of the United States makes a decision to confirm this. All of this was done as a matter of national security and as a patriotic uh, act on their part, I, I'm not, they're not talking crimes or not talking evil or anything like that. But the, the point is that plenty of people in our government have known about the ET presence from the beginning. Okay, so what is going on now is a process in which the United States government, whether it's the Congress, whether it's the Department of Defense or the Air Force or the Navy, is going through the motions, I say the motions, is going through an orderly responsible process that will get the, the government out from under the policy of embargo. To go from there's no there there to there is there there, all right? Uh, and ultimately confirm the ET presence. And this process is not about who can reveal the most first or uh, who can uh, who can make an end run and get it to the public? No, it's about a responsible process that will be orderly and have the minimum amount of disruption to the American people, for the American people, as well as hopefully the minimum amount of damage and public relations issues for the government itself. There will be damage, there will be issues, no question, but the idea is to keep them to a minimum. And that process, involves primarily Congress getting involved, legislation being passed, the Department of Defense publicly responding to that openly, right? Uh, and then that then sets the stage for hearings to take place where military witnesses, almost exclusively military witnesses, like the David Fravers and the Dietrichs and all of the people that we've been hearing about for five years, primarily in the Navy, but there are plenty of others, as well as nuclear sack base officers, can come before congressional committees under oath, be questioned intelligently, and while hundreds of tens, if not hundreds of millions of people around the world are watching, give testimony to the events and evidence that the researchers in this field have known about for decades, and other people in the government have known about, but that doesn't just because they know about it, that doesn't have the kind of impact that having that, that testimony being made under oath. And those hearings, however long they take, it could, there will be a number of them and they will go on for a while, that public transparent process by which tens if not hundreds of millions of people see this evidence presented, not just in, on the news program somewhere or in somebody's book on Amazon, but under oath in front, in front of members of, of, of key committees of Congress, that testimony will then make it possible for the president in a, in a pretty nonpartisan way, though it's impossible to be completely nonpartisan, but the president to come forward and say, 
this evidence is pretty convincing to me. I've talked with my people at the Pentagon. I've talked with congressional leaders. And I think it's now quite clear that we are not alone, that we have an extraterrestrial presence. And it's very likely that our government knows quite a bit about this. Let's, let's, let's start the process of getting that information to the American people. And that is what's going on. And so what people say and do and what they're willing to say publicly is service to that pr process. It's not necessarily in service to how fast can we get the truth out, but who's going to tell the most stuff? No. And so they're not going to be able to just come out and say what they know, uh, uh, regardless of any non-disclosure agreements they have or whether it's classified. That, that includes Mellon and Elizondo and everybody else primarily. They just can't do that. I mean, they could, but that would be irresponsible. And they're not, you know, they're not, this thing isn't about them. Right, they're servicing this process. They're, you know, people want to get up on their horse and get, ride off into battle by themselves. That's not going to go over very well. They're servicing the process, and the process requires restraint. It requires not saying things you can't say. You you really can't say. It requires avoiding probably certain questions because it's not the time yet. This is not easy. It's messy. It's going to create a lot of unhappiness amongst people, particularly the more you know about this issue, the more frustrating it can be. But once you accept the fact that this is what is required to get to disclosure and end this embargo, not just for the American people, but for the people of this planet, then I think people should then sit back and appreciate it. And and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to let the government know, hey, uh, we know what's going on here and, and uh, we expect you to keep going. And there are plenty of people that are coming out on the on the internet in various ways and pretty much saying there's an extraterrestrial presence. I can give you various examples, uh, but that's overall not upsetting the, this, this uh, process underway that much. Um, and, and so that's okay too. And all of these stronger statements and, and active, you know, statements by uh, activists like myself, as well as certain members of Congress and so forth, or, or, or witnesses or researchers like Gary Nolan, all of these very strong statements are not really disruptive to the process, but they do serve a very important purpose. And that is to basically shut the back door on this issue for the government. Meaning, okay, you've moved forward, you're doing the right thing, all right? But if you're thinking about suddenly saying, okay, that's enough, and then fleeing, you know, and, and heading out the back door, right? Uh, and to return at some later date, when you feel like it, that door is locked now. So there's no there's no turning back. You got to go forward, and so that's also happening. And I'm part of that process, as as are a number of other people. So that is that's a lot of words to explain a complex situation. Uh, and and I I'm doing my best to get that out there so that people will be appreciative of what is going on here and be supportive as much as possible, no matter how aggravated they are particularly supportive of the people involved, which is Mellon and Elizondo and, and Rubio and Warner and, 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 uh, and certainly Carson, Gallego, and these members of Congress. Uh, support what they're doing. Be appreciative of what they're doing because it is leading to disclosure. Yeah, I think if it hasn't been for most of those individuals, we wouldn't have the information that we have today. And it wouldn't have been, we'd still be in the same positions if these people didn't come forward and do the research and slowly push for this stuff. So I completely agree with you 100%. Um, we have about two minutes left. So what would you say to the people that are upset about this or, or what they should be doing in the meantime um, as we continue to wait for the process to roll out? Certainly, I invite them to be active on social media, express their views, pay attention. Uh, go to my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, and review the thousands of articles that have been uh, published since then on the mainstream media. I've got them all linked in my print media archive. You can go browse them all, and just and you can literally chronologically follow how the media has covered this. It, it's done a great job. There's plenty of legitimate coverage. One of the things you'll see if you were to read, say, the last you know articles over the last couple of years is the stigma ridicule thing is virtually gone. Yes. This doesn't bear. Uh, and so that's good. You'll see that the conversion from UA, UFO, which is a stigmatized, ridiculed term that services the truth embargo, 
to UAP, which doesn't carry that stigma, how that has helped, because it makes it possible for high-end journalists and members of Congress, scientists and others to refer to the issue without having to say UFO, UAP, right? It means the same thing, but one term is, it, it, is not a burden with the stigma and ridicule of 70 years of the propaganda, of the truth embargo. And so that's not, that's important, right? L language is important. So you're, you see that happening. Um, and uh, uh, I think that's about really all we can do. I mean, I, I certainly, if you wanna you know, contact your member of Congress and encourage them to address the issue, particularly if they're on the House and Senate Intel Committees or Armed Services Committees, let them know that you love what they're doing. Mostly you wanna praise the people involved. Let, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, however you, you're there, because they're there, a lot of them are. Right. Put a, put a post up telling them, hey, we really love what you're doing. We really appreciate it. You're a truth warrior. Keep it up. We want the embargo to end. I mean, let these people know that, that there's plenty of people that appreciate what they're doing because it's not easy and they do have plenty of critics. So that's something you can do. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I've been doing um, and, and it does help. And I think it also makes those relationships. So in the future, when things come along, it makes it a little easier to talk about. Um, so absolutely. Um, so let's go ahead and take our break now. And when we come back, we can kind of talk about some of the new investigative units that are being created um, and go a little deeper. Um, so we're going to take these commercial breaks and we'll be right back. Have some plans this weekend, going out with the friends, maybe going to a birthday party and want to step up your fashion game? Well, check out GD Blings and Things, coming soon, an official sponsor of UFO Encounters Worldwide. Hello, everybody. This September 17th will be the Taconi Geek Fest in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'll be speaking and opening up the ceremony and the event with a speech about UFOs, the recent news about UFOs, and MUFON, and what we're going to be doing moving forward. There will also be other vendors there giving out all their different hobbies, selling hobbies, food vendors, and we'll also have a table set up there specifically just for MUFON. Come out, spend some time, eat some good food, and see some cool hobbies. I'll be there to talk to, have a great conversation, check it out on Facebook. We'll be posting more stuff as we get updates. Remember, that's September 17th, Taconi Geek Fest. Thank you. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at UFO Encounters Worldwide at gmail.com today. Are you looking for some new swag? Well, UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official clothing line and store where you can get your official merchandise. It's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. You can select from a large variety of all kinds of gear, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, masks, can cozies and more we'll be adding more designs as time moves on but there are two amazing ones on there now and if you're looking to also support the show you can sponsor to our paypal and donate if you like if not that's okay too check out our swag store again that's storefrontier.com slash ufo encounters worldwide today The official sponsor of UFO Encounters Worldwide podcast, hosted by Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia, is Gypsy Days Outfitters. Go check out their brand new store over at Etsy. They have a variety for everybody and everything. So check them out today. Again, that's Gypsy Days Outfitters, the official sponsor of our show.
All right, welcome back to the second half of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, and we are sitting down today with special guest, Stephen Bassett, the Executive Director for the Paradigm Research Group. Uh, we were kind of talking about what's going on um, in the House Intelligence Committee and uh, the hearings. Um, so let's kind of get into uh, your thoughts on the new Pentagon's Airborne um, Object Identification and Management Synchronicity Group. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and, and that new creative investigative unit? Well, first of all, they've already changed the name again. Oh, did they really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I uh, it's arrow something. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, again, I, maybe I can find it while we're chatting. But, yeah, no, they've already changed the name again because that, that last name is no good. Uh, and they may change it again. Let, in other words, crazy. they are they are putting together a lot of pieces over at the Pentagon. When you do something like this, it's not like you just this isn't like that OSAP program that was eventually nicknamed ATIP. Okay? okay, that was a very small operation, right? Legitimate, I mean, and, and non-trivial. It was important, but it's small. What's being put together now is magnitudes bigger than that. It's the real deal. Uh, and so there are many components. Uh, I'm aware that it's coming together nicely. Is it happening fast enough uh, for some people? No. Uh, but it is the real deal. What, what we saw in that, I mean, people might have gotten the impression from, the, from Moultrie and, and, and Bray uh, speaking at that uh, May 17th uh, short hearing in front of the uh, subcommittee that not much is going on. Uh, but that is not the case. Uh, most of what is happening, they don't, they're not putting out press releases on it. Uh, it's not the way they operate. Uh, they're, they're lining up personnel, just, you know, taking care of all the bells and whistles you have to do with projects like this. You've got to have the section dealing with security issues. You've got to have sections dealing with legislative liaison and uh, uh, funding, all this stuff. Right. And some would say, well, it's a lot of waste of money, but it's the way things work in government, particularly uh, with the Department of Defense. And this is all happening. So this is a big uh, project. Um, what now the details, I don't really much care about the details. I don't really much care who's in charge of what and how, uh, you know, in, in, things are being handled or so forth. Uh, ultimately, that's it's all in a sense, window dressing. I say window dressing. In other words, it's not as if they just found out there's ETs and they got to get something together to deal with them. No, they've always always known about the ETs. They're getting something together so that they can show the public that they are uh, doing the responsible thing. And if a lot of people think that this is all pretty much new and they just did learn, well, okay, not a big deal. Those people will be pretty generous. A lot, of, a lot of people won't be so generous, but they have to do this. Now, I should also point out that they're going to spend a lot of money, by the way. This, this is good. There's a lot of money is going to be spent on this. This, right. is, this is going to be big change, right? Yep. Um, some people will think, well, if it's, if it's just to service this disclosure process to, to responsibly get us to the point where the president can uh, uh, announce the presence, and they've known all along, then we're, aren't we just throwing all this money down the drain? No, not at all. Why? Because I can assure you, all of the infrastructure that is put together within the Department of Defense and any other collateral in, uh, infrastructure that's set up with the Navy or the Air Force, right, or any intel committees or NRO or anything, right, all of that will not simply go away, but will increase substantially in size when the president confirms the extraterrestrial presence and we enter the post-disclosure world. I mean, what do you think is going to happen then? It's like, well, I guess we know there are ETs here. Okay, let's just drop this now and move on with other stuff. Oh, no. The demand on the government to address the issue post-disclosure, to get information out, to, to start additional investigations, uh, uh, legislation. I mean, oh my God. And so none of this money is going to be wasted. 
They're, it just means they're going to be, and that's an important thing. They don't want to have they they don't want to have a surprise announcement from the president and have to start gearing up to deal with the post disclosure world, which is going to be like any anything you've ever could even imagine, uh, based on previous history. No, it, it's really nice to have this stuff together and operating and funded and going, and then disclosure happens and they can slide right into it. So that's going to work out just fine. One of the, one of the things I do want to talk about that is very recent that's gotten some attention now in the in the latest language that is being put into legislation, and I believe it's the 2023 National uh, Defense Appropriations Act. But there's so many of these damn things I, I get <laughs> yes, wrong. But it's one of these is that, and who put this language in? It was. Um, Oh, Lordy, who put it in? I should know this. Um, well, <clears throat> the language is about providing members of the military protection, quote unquote, should they come forward with information. Now, it's very confusing. Uh, and I still got to read it a lot more. But I think in one in one level, it's 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 about look, uh, they have been threatening pilots and so forth for years not to talk about sightings that they have. There have been instances where people have talked and had their wrists slapped and so forth, and that that needs to stop. In other words, if somebody's had a sighting, we expect them to be able to talk about that without a problem. Okay, well that's that's one level, and there's the implication that it's also referring to people that want to spill some beans. Meaning, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I know some heavy stuff. And I think maybe I need to talk to somebody about that. Maybe a New York Times reporter, whatever. And, and, and they're getting protection. That is not clear. But I knew one thing that is clear is that in the process of this, the words whistleblower are being thrown around very casually, very irresponsible. And people are immediately thinking this is the whistleblower act because there's been talk about this. Well, if the government were to grant full amnesty or huge legal protection to, to whistleblowers in, in the DOD or the Navy or the Air Force or whatever who want to come forward with, I don't know, little pieces of, of wreckage or some uh, classified photos or whatever, that they're covered. That, that's, that's not what this bill is doing. But it's being talked about that way. This is not helpful at all. And I'm pushing back against real hard. And I, and I, I I'm hope to have a bigger platform soon to do that. <clears throat> and here is the problem. Uh, and going back to what I said earlier, the policy of truth embargo is not illegal. Just like the policy of not telling people where our nuclear submarines happen to be at any given time is not illegal. It was national security based. Uh, there was plenty of, I think, a logical justification for it. The problem is over the decades, that justification became weaker and weaker, but the policy is legal. And so a whistleblower by definition is somebody who comes forward with information about activities within the organization to which they belong who after trying to bring the issue up within that organization have finally decided to go public, go to the authorities or whatever and spill the beans. That is not what these witnesses are. They are not reporting on illegal activities. Bob Salas is not reporting that the government has done something illegal with respect to the nuclear weapons tampering. He just wants people to know about the events that happened so that we can properly address them. He's not a whistleblower, okay? Because right away, everybody knows about whistleblowers. Everybody knows that they're given a hard time. Everybody knows that there's a risk there. So if I'm a pilot and like a, say a David Fravor uh, with another similar story to what happened to the Roosevelt's in 2004, and I, I'd like to testify about that or bring it up to my commander or something, I, I don't, I, I, being called a whistleblower, I mean, well, if you do that, you're a whistleblower, implying that you're, you're, you're going to be spilling the beans on the Navy's illegal activities. That's not going to help you come forward. It's going to 
intimidate the hell out of you. And so this is not right. And, and hopefully this can be brought under control. I'm not saying that there aren't some things that the government has done during the truth embargo over 70 some years that could be viewed as illegal in a court of law. I'm not saying that hasn't happened. I'm not saying that there may be somebody that actually knows about something illegal like that, that potentially could come forward. But that is tiny compared to all of the witnesses that are available to simply talk about events and evidence that are extremely important to this issue, right? Under oath, um, knowing that, and this is important, if they have something classified that the, the, the Congress wants to know about, they're not going to have to say it publicly. They will say it in a private classified session, section with the, with the Intel Committee, and they won't be breaking the law. The committee won't be breaking the law. They don't have to break the law. Right. I, I, I don't want any witness to think, uh, okay, we need you to come forward, break the law, and talk to Congress. They don't have to. And so this whole whistleblower amnesty stuff is way premature, and it's not helping. These are witnesses. They are not whistleblowers. Now, after disclosure takes place, and well, essentially, the rabbits out of the, the hat and the horses are out of the barn and so forth. Um, obviously, there's going to be a huge demand by the world's people on what every government knows about this issue that they have sequestered or embargoed or classified. All right. And there will be a intense, uh, how would you say, back and forth about what the public would like to have and what the governments are willing to provide uh, with the, you know, pretty much the, the process leaning towards uh, information coming out, right? In other words, information is going to come out. The question is what, what comes out first and when and so forth, but there will be information flow. And there could be circumstances post-disclosure where you're getting down in the really heavy stuff where you've got people who are very concerned about being drawn into a situation where they may in fact be violating agreements and it may be necessary to to institute post-disclosure some sort of amnesty program where people that are in that gray area know that it's going to be okay and then there will be a limited number of people post-disclosure, right? Very few, because most of the people that would fall under this category are dead, all right? Very few who were involved in some aspect of the truth embargo that was clearly illegal. And should they discuss it, but we still need to know about it, uh, might expose them to legal action. In that case, and again, I think this is very few, uh, a truth and reconciliation process should be legally put in place, which is different from amnesty. Truth and reconciliation is this. You, you really, you, you were either, you, you were involved in very illegal acts in service to a government policy. Uh, we need to know about those. If you are able, if you come forward and give us a complete and full accounting of what took place so that we have that information, you will not be held responsible, nor will you have any legal consequences. In other words, it's a wash. Right. Okay. So amnesty, truth and reconciliation. Both of these things, in my opinion, are not appropriate now, not until after disclosure. Now, if the disclosure process gets further interrupted, particularly inappropriately so, by the Department of Defense or even members of Congress who somehow try to drag it out more, delay it, push it back, clearly inappropriately so. And things were to heat up where you've got it really getting kind of testy and, and uh, a, a lot of uh, you know, maybe some threats being passed around and you may have some people that are caught in the middle of that. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. Then possibly pre-disclosure, it might be necessary to provide a, some clear amnesty uh, legislation so that 
nobody is victimized by this, uh, how would you say, conflict going on between those in Congress and the DOD that want this thing to move forward and those that somehow are pushing back successfully. Uh, but I don't think we've gotten to that bridge yet, so we don't need to cross it. So is there anybody that's clearly pushing back that you know of? Not much. No. There was um, the journalists are moving forward. That's for darn sure. They can't write articles fast enough. <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 the clearest example of pushback, the, the only one that, that I consider worth noting is that uh, Luis Elizondo was a strong focus of attention by the DOD, of course, because he was former DIA and uh, he was obviously at the center of this thing as it unfolded and, and so forth. He was, he was involved in getting, I'm pretty sure he was involved in getting some of the gun camera footage clips released. This was Chris Mellon. So they're right, well, not surprising. There were some people in the DOD that were not happy about this. Uh, and probably in general, not happy that it looks like the, the truth embargo may be in its last days. And so they, they took action along the lines of un, trying to undermine Lou. In other words, if we can kind of undermine Lou, um, we might be able to slow all this down. I mean, I don't think they thought it through very well. And so there was some, there was some internal smear tactics going on that was, that was, was uh, being facilitated by the, the, uh, the front office, uh, you know, the, the uh, liaison, the, the, the press office. I, I don't think the press office was was creating it. I think the press office was being told things that weren't true and then passed them on. But all of this is creating problems for Lou. And so Lou, I mean, that's pushback of a sort, but you know, Lou is Lou. I mean, he's not afraid of anything. So he simply immediately confronted, went to the inspector general's office, the independent office that has the, the job of keeping track of DOD activities that might get into uh, uh, problematic areas. Uh, as an independent entity, right? not under the thumb of the Secretary of Defense. He went right to the IG's office and said, I, I want it to stop, and he filed a formal complaint. And I don't think uh, the, the initial response was adequate. He then hired a pretty famous attorney, Danny Sheehan, an activist attorney, to represent yes. him. Yep. And they both have been actually uh, at the IG's office a number of times, uh, either one or both of them, uh, engaging them in what... My, and I have, you know, good information that what has been a constructive process uh, and the the negative stuff being tossed around about Lou, I think, is over. Those that were irritated have stepped back and just, you know, decided to stay out of this. Uh, uh, and I think some positive things have come from it. That That's about, in terms of pushback, that's all I know about the consequence. I'm not saying that there isn't, there may be some going on privately, uh, who knows, but whatever the pushback is, uh, it's not enough because the process is moving forward. Uh, it's not going backward. It's been forward ever since uh, 2017. It's slowed down from time to time, right? Like somebody running a marathon every once in a while they kind of slow the pace way down because yeah. just, they just need a rest or whatever uh but that's not the same thing as going backward so overall i'm quite happy with the process i wish it was going faster of course but i am quite aware of the other things going on right now which are hardly trivial which uh has made it a little more difficult right to advance what is already a very difficult issue so um, we now have NASA that's commissioning an independent study on UAP. Do you think that will help push it forward as well? Well, it will help in the sense that finally NASA was able to enter the fray. In other words, they were able to raise their flag. Uh, I'm not surprised it took so long because NASA has been in a very difficult position. Which is to say, have the top people in NASA known about the ET presence since NASA was formed in 1958? Yeah, of course they have. So people are going, well, really? Well, why didn't they say something? Because it's a civilian agency. Okay, fine. But under the law, it has it absolutely cannot violate national security matters as 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 judged by the Department of Defense. 
And I'm sure nobody thinks that the extraterrestrial issue has no national security implications. So NASA has been between a rock and a hard place since day one, and that it needed to go into space, go into orbit, go to the moon, take photos of the moon, take photos of Mars, take photos in orbit. I mean, on and on and on and on, but it could not do anything that would somehow undermine the truth embargo and the position of the government that there, there's no ET there. So they've had to do, do that dance from 1958 to 19 uh, to 2021. Okay, actually, maybe even 22, maybe 20. No, it's 21. Nelson. I think became the, the administrator. Uh, so what's that? 58, 42, at 60, uh, about 62 years, 63 years, NASA has had to do this dance where it could not do anything to undermine the truth embargo, knowing all the way that if the extraterrestrial presence could be confirmed, NASA would be in heaven. I mean, they, there would be no amount of funding they couldn't get. Their, their, their potential space activities would be magnified. Uh, it, would be, it would be NASA's golden age, and they couldn't do it. They've had to wait it out like everybody else. Uh, and it's totally fitting and not a coincidence that at the point that NASA finally is able to say, yeah, we're looking into this too. We're able to say the word UFO. They've actually said that they should say UAP. Right. Uh, that, that at the time this happens, the administrator happens to be not only a former astronaut, but a former member of the Senate Intel Committee, which is the number one committee that's going to be involved in ending this truth embargo. And so he just coincidentally happens to be the absolute person NASA administrator on board at this time. These are the things I note. These are the things, that's my job to note these things and pass them on in order to minimize the pain and suffering of the American people. Yep, I hear you. So were you you surprised when the director of NASA came out and actually said that the the Pentagon should hand over the information so they can actually look at the data? No, not surprised. Sure, why not? Why not? So they can be part, everybody wants, look, as we approach the truth embargo, everybody wants, ending the truth embargo disclosure, everybody wants to be on board, everybody wants to be doing something, right? Right. Right? I mean, look, at some point, trust me, at some point, NASA, the Air Force, the Navy, certain members of Congress, and certainly the Department of Defense is going to tell the people in, in various forms and fashions. Yeah, we knew all along. All right. I mean, I'm I'm serious. There's no way they're not going to be able to get away with that. They're not they're not going to be able to to just let that slide. Right. They will have to finally confirm we've known all along. And and you know, the younger people, the the, the millennials and so forth, who probably don't even know where Roswell is, uh, they're probably going to yeah. find we don't give a damn. Yeah. But there are plenty of people, particularly the baby boomers like me, that. You know, we're going to say, yeah, we've known you knew it all along. And like, you don't want to ever do that again. Let's don't ever do this again. And there's going to be other people just going to be mad in general. There's plenty of people now that hate government just to begin with, right? right. And so being told, yeah, we lied to you for 75 years. But we finally told you the truth. What's your problem? So they, they're going to have to deal with this, all right? And so, okay. But I assure you that to the extent they can get something going, get some office set up, do a little research, ask for some information, just show that they're part of the solution. Anything they do along those lines, including NASA, will mitigate the public's ill will about it. All right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. It's like, hey, so in that sense, it's public relations. They can just sit there and do nothing, wait for the president to make the announcement, come forward and say, okay, we've always known with the president's announcement, so let's, let's get going. But yeah, that's, that doesn't look good. So everything you're seeing, more than, more, than, uh, more than getting the truth out now, is about getting these entities set up to, to minimize their public relations dilemmas. And that includes the Congress, the House, the Senate. It does include the White House, though the White House is in a much more clear position. It's going to be a little more straightforward there. It includes the Department of Defense, the Air Force, the Navy, the Army. It includes the uh, 
all the other agencies like the NRO and what have you, and includes the intelligence agents, particularly the CIA, all of these entities, everything that's going on right now is servicing their public relations dilemma. That's good. Okay. As part of, as part of getting responsible disclosure, right. right? In other words, look, these are smart people. They've known about this issue forever. The, the, the Department of Defense has been game playing the disclosure process for 30 years. I mean, they've been going over how it could go, how, how, to, how to ultimately reveal the truth and blah. They've been at 30 years. Ago. Right. And they've got really good computers over there. In case <laughs> you know. They do. All right. So, so it's, this is not shocking. Uh, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Let's mitigate. As long as this public relations process doesn't somehow uh, take over the disclosure process itself. In other words, you got, you know, you got a reasonable amount of time to show the flag, get on board, get on the stage and, and, and be in a good place when this happens, but you don't have indefinite, it's not indefinite. You need, to, we've waited way too long already. So get going. And, and the pace right now, uh, I would say this public relation process starts, when does it start? I'm going to guess it starts really around 2000, toward the end of 2018, I think, uh, and but mostly internal. Okay. But it doesn't really go public until about two and a half years, two years ago, when they start to uh, take, you know, you start to get some congressional actions and the DOD is brought into it. Right. So the public relations process is fully underway for a good solid two years. I think they've got another six months. That's that's a decent amount of time. They're yeah, all on board. Absolutely, absolutely. There's only the one entity that isn't on board yet that's running out of time is the Air Force. They've completely stayed out of this. Uh, they need to get on board here soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Navy's in, the EOD's in. Uh, not you know, not surprisingly, the CIA is is not on board yet. Right. Congress is. Um, certain individual members of Congress are, and the media is. Okay, the media is on board as well. The media has plenty to answer for too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to be wondering, you know, going to the New York Times and and saying, uh, "You really didn't know about this? I mean, you <laughs> you didn't figure this out, right? Right? I mean, you got all these people and this huge budget. You're the leading paper in the country, and you you missed it, right? Right? You just thought, yeah. well, it's a phenomenon. We don't know what it is. No. so they're going to have to answer for it too. But as you can tell, they're now putting out article after article after article, and so they're. They're showing that, okay, we're on board, we're on board, and then later they'll have to answer for, for their willingness to go along with the truth embargo. Absolutely. But, but, but the original editors and publishers and so forth that did that are all dead. So it's like, hey, you know, what the hell? Right. We, we inherited the thing, we did our best, and now you got the truth, so leave us alone and let's move on. So we got under a minute left. Okay. Um, so do you want to tell everybody where they can follow you at and uh, keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, paradigmresearchgroup.org. You can subscribe to my email list there, which is going to get more active very soon. Um, and I've got to probably hope to be announcing a major project later this year. Shouldn't be too much longer. It's been in the works for a long time, delayed because of pandemic problems and other things. But uh, I hope to be very active later this year. Great. A lot of good stuff happening. Excellent. And uh, uh, again, uh, the most important thing on my website is the print media archive. Go to paradigmresearchgroup.org, go to resources, scroll on down to print media archive, punch on through, and start reading the thousands of articles that have been written since 2017 that literally lays out the whole damn thing for yep. it. And you can see just how fast this gold is rolling down the hill now. And I did put everything in the description of the episode so everybody can go ahead and check that out. And I want to thank you again, Stephen, for coming on today. Mm -hmm. It was a great conversation, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Anytime, Jesse. I'd be happy to come on your show. Good luck. Good good work for MUFON. And by the way, MUFON's gotten very much involved in this now. Yes. Uh, they're on the hill. That. They're doing the right stuff, and I'm happy to see that. Yep. Absolutely. All okay. Right. Well, thank you again. Don't go anywhere. I'll talk to you today in the show. I want to All thank right. everybody for listening today, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Two brand new authors coming into the field, so we'll get that book and talk about it. Um, and until then, everyone, keep your eyes in the sky.
Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode number 60 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. And what a conversation we had today with Stephen Bassett about everything that's going on on Capitol Hill, the new bills being implemented, and the politicians that have been involved in all this. It was great information, and I hope you guys all enjoyed today's episode. Next week, we have Barry Fitzgerald and Brian Allen to talk about their brand new book, The Deceptions of Gods and Men. So that should be really interesting. So until then, remember to keep your eyes in the sky.